Hello and welcome to the Folklore Podcast Book Club, the strand of the Folklore Podcast dedicated to looking at new books which deal with areas of interest to fans of folklore. We chat to the authors, review the books and learn more about the topics that they cover. I'm Mark Norman, folklore researcher and author. Today's episode discusses the book The Wheel, A Witch's Path Back to the Ancient Self, written by Jennifer Lane and published by September Publishing. The book follows Jennifer on her year-long journey via the pagan calendar, through the seasons as she explores how the ancient wisdom of witchcraft and paganism has profound resonance in our increasingly frenetic and detached modern world. Paganism gave Jennifer the rootedness that she was lacking in her busy and stressful life, and allowed her to restore her relationship with time and the natural cycle that had been previously lost. The Wheel is an eye-opening book that debunks all the myths associated with witchery, and firmly installs it as a spiritual way of life that has much to offer the modern world. The teachings are very in sync with the current fears about the environment, and our disconnection from natural landscapes and cycles. Reviewer Carly Tremaine spoke to Jennifer about the book and her personal story behind it, giving a powerful alternative perspective on the subject. Hello everyone, Uh, welcome back to the Folklore Podcast Book Club. Today I'm joined by Jennifer Lane, here to talk about her new book, The Wheel. Um, In this she guides us through one turn of the wheel of the year, Um, She teaches us about all the traditional pagan festivals, how to celebrate, and during she reconnects with her love of witchcraft, with nature, and reconnects with herself. And so I was wondering, to start this off, if you could tell us a bit about the very beginning of this, what got you into witchcraft initially? So I've been interested in witchcraft for, for many years, possibly over 15 years, since I was about 12 or 13, and at that time in the late 90s, I think people bombarded me with media um, saying that witchcraft was the way to go if you were a teenage girl. Like it was that was the route that you went down. And I lapped that up um, very much into that very imaginative child. So I sort of latched on to witchcraft. Um, but when I hit my teenage years and realized um, through the powers of the internet that witchcraft was real and that there was a really large community out there of people practicing Wicca, Druidism, Shamanism, all forms of um, magical practices and esoteric, esoteric practices um, that I just fell in love with head over heels. Um, so throughout my teenage years I was very much involved with Wicca and um, being a solitary practitioner you know in my bedroom with my candles and my crystals <laughs> the usual way and I, I sort of fell, fell away from it in my later teenage years. I think just the pressures of school and friendship and everything that gets in the way when we hit the later teenage years, um, I just refocused. So it was only in my mid to late 20s that I reconnected with witchcraft and my love of it. And I think at that point it had taken a different spin. So it wasn't the typical wicker that I had been interested in as a young teenager. It morphed, it had changed. Um, I had discovered a real love of nature during that time. And I found that being in the season, being outside, outdoors, at one with nature, had really helped me overcome some mental health troubles in my early 20s. Mm. So when witchcraft came around again, 
it felt really natural for me to meld the two together and practice herb law, spellcraft, also relating that to seasonal shifts and to the natural world around me. It just felt so incredibly, just completely natural to me. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that leads us nicely into what I wanted to ask next, actually. Um, So my wondering was if you could talk a bit about what led you to sit down and start writing this book and kind of what that's done for you presently, um, the importance of it. So I just mentioned that I'd had a few mental health struggles around my university days, um, again, the pressures of the modern world. And I found myself really out of touch with myself. Um, Once I'd graduated and got stuck into the world of work, it really felt like it wasn't for me. It It was going against everything in my body. It's like it was like there was something in me screaming no this isn't right this isn't how it should be mm. um you know every second that I could I was outside you know walking miles and miles every day just to feel like I was breathing just to feel like I was connecting again and so the book actually came about after a particularly long period where I was in a, a job that didn't resonate with me um, working on a subject matter that I didn't really agree with that much. And for me, it just it just came to a head that I thought, you know what, I have to stop this because it's making me absolutely valuable. Yeah. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. You know, a lot of us are in yes. jobs that we... <laughs> a lot of us are in jobs that we, we don't necessarily um, perhaps morally agree with or mm. just we just don't get on with in general. So I think for me, writing the book, was about documenting my process of being in this state of complete panic all the time where I had to go to work I obviously had to pay the bills but really all I wanted to be doing was being out in nature and looking at the more magical things in the world so was a really cathartic way for me to process all of the things that were happening in this very short space of time like even though it was over a year it all just seemed to come together yeah yeah so the wheel is about that journey Mm. yeah it's funny you should mention um sort of a lot of people being in similar positions because obviously reading this book um I made a lot of notes on my phone as I was reading but (laughs) annoyingly going back through it it's mostly just quotes followed by a bunch of exclamation points or me written in capital letters (laughs) <laughs> I was wondering um, if you wouldn't mind if I read out kind of an early favourite. Of course, um, no, that's really yeah. lovely to hear. Thank you. <laughs> no worries. So um, I think I started like mid-sentence, but it was, um, especially as I was a quiet girl, who wouldn't put up her hand in class for fear of the teacher saying, no, anyone else. I yearned for magic to be real with a longing that was slightly unhinged and for a tawny owl to squeeze itself through the classroom window and tell me I was Hermione Granger 2.0 that resonated with me deeply that that's the most relatable thing I've ever read (laughs) I'm sure there's um I mean I've sent this to a bunch of friends so I know but I'm sure there are millions of other people that relate to this um so I was kind of wondering what advice you'd have for them especially as 
with paganism particularly there are so many branches you could go into anyone that is still kind of longing for that spiritual connection that kind of longing for magic where can they start to find their place so I think when I connected with witchcraft general paganism in my my mid-twenties I was really questioning what is paganism what does it actually mean and the root of that word is all centered around the countryside yeah and I think every form of witchcraft or magical practice tends to fall under the bracket of paganism I think I go into it in some detail in the book just sort of explaining the ins and outs of what that means because I think a lot of people um, would disagree with certain um, certain paths being under certain umbrellas there's so many different routes that you could go down and people have their own opinions about those Um, so I think that anyone wanting to get into witchcraft reconnect with their magical practice I think I suppose to your research yeah branches of paganism and what it means so so paganism as a whole is um nature a spiritual practice that was centered around nature um if you wanted to look at the paths I suppose yes sorry it's all kind of about um maybe practicing mindfulness and kind of having a look at kind of different sources of books, different source materials and kind of finding something that resonates with you personally. Um, yes, exactly that. So I think that if, if you do like to be a bit fingered and um, mm-hmm. that herbal magic, bringing those kitchen remedies into the, ho- the home, um, looking at things that you can practice around the hearth um, at certain times of the year and how to really use medicine to enhance your experiences um sort of bring about positivity bring about magical change in your life so that's one that's one possible route that you could go down but I suppose you have to tailor it to you and make sure that you are um, being authentic to yourself I suppose if if you heard a lot about a particular path um let's say for example for example shamanism if that doesn't resonate with you, you're not going to connect with it. You're not going to fall so deep into it. So I suppose really make sure that you have done your research and know where your interests lie before you before you throw yourself fully into something. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think my next question is kind of more on a personal level, your experiences of it. Um, in the book, you mentioned that a lot of people have kind of reacted with confusion or shock when you've mentioned paganism, kind of practicing it yourself. Um, and I wondered, especially as when you were younger, I think you'd gone to a Church of England school, um, if you'd experienced any kind of backlash for that, if you'd kind of, what kind of reaction you did get at the time? Well, there was only really one experience that sticks out for me when I was at school and I was in a, an RE class we were all asked about where we stood on the religious spectrum. And in hindsight, this seems like a really interesting question that sparked some debate. Um, so I said that I was a very highly spiritual person. I put myself as a 10 on that scale um, because I had these beliefs in paganism and Wicca. And the whole class was just like, oh my God, what is she talking about? And it was just like this stunned silence around me. We were all sitting oh in the same spot. It just was like, 
oh my God, I've just thought about this thing that's incredibly personal to me and have this, this reaction. Mm. And I think for quite a few weeks afterwards, there were a few chants of witch, witch, witch in the corridors. Oh no. You know, <laughs> it felt very, uh, very medieval. But mm. I, I think that over time that died down and no one really talked about it. Um, which was a which was a relief to me um, and I practiced under the radar I didn't really share it with many people apart from my immediate circle and um, we were you know doing spells in people's garages on certain, <laughs> certain festivals <laughs> yeah I think people and um, our, our parents especially were really open to it I think mm. they, they were very I think surprisingly open-minded about it considering that a lot of my friends came from very Christian backgrounds and we all went to it you know, we went to church on a Sunday mm. and to have people that were so open um, about us expressing these things was really wonderful at the time and you know my parents would go and take me to bookshops and we'd all buy witchy books and it, and it was just it was just a thing that we did However, in hindsight I reckon they thought we'd grow out of it well I'm 31 years old so <laughs> Not likely to be anytime soon. No. <laughs> no, that is wonderful. I loved the stories of your parents taking you kind of on day trips to um, sort of these historical sites of witchcraft and taking buying you um, sort of books related to it. And it's oh, it's such wholesome reading. The book um, in many parts feels like a mug of hot chocolate just clutched to your chest. It's so lovely to read about those experiences I was wondering um, obviously there are still a lot of misconceptions about paganism in the 21st century and are there any that kind of you come across quite often Um, are there any that you can kind of think of to debunk kind of on this platform I suppose if it's one that I think people listening to this podcast will be aware of and will know that it has been debunked but yeah a lot of people still think associate witchcraft with Christianity the devil witch yeah. trials that's all part and parcel of what witchcraft is either you think it's that or you think it's hopeless yeah <laughs> <laughs> one of the two um and I think that growing up I think there were a lot of people that thought I worshipped the devil mm. in witchcraft um it is a very feminine centric spiritual practice um, because it honours the female as well as the male, the feminine and the masculine. Um, I think that's what, one of the things that drew me to it most because growing up in a masculine tradition, I thought, yeah. well, what about me and my experiences? Mm-hmm. So I think that that was one major draw. Um, and so to have people associate witchcraft so closely with the devil and evil um it makes me think of think of the patriarchy really and how we've been demonized over time. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main thing that people come to me with. Um, but I do I'm so happy that now we live in a in a world where information about witchcraft is so readily available. Yeah. And, you know, Instagram, TikTok are just absolutely yeah. full of wonderful people sharing these practices. And I, I get fewer and fewer questions about what it actually means and what it is now. Mm. I think when I was a teenager, it was, it was a different time. It yeah, seems like yeah. have moved on a bit. So <laughs> I, I feel that people are a lot more open to it now. And we are in this period where people are seeking to enact change in their lives. And 
who can do that with manifestation, with magic, with all these spiritual practices. It's mm. about being working on yourself to bring about um, change in the outer world. So yes, I think we're in a really good space and time for paganism yeah. to be really heard. I think so too. Um, yeah, I I work um, in a bookshop full time, and I found that. Recently, particularly, there have been more and more kind of very witchy young girls coming in and looking for kind of guidance and um, looking for books on the practice. And it's so open and we can just kind of stand in the middle of a bookshop and just chat about it. And it's so lovely that there's that kind of curiosity and acceptance kind of in this alternative way of life, way of thinking. And I think, like you say, it's um, a great opportunity for women to kind of reconnect with their femininity. And um, you mentioned kind of um, sort of the awareness of the moon cycles kind of helping you with your own cycles. And yeah, it's, I agree. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I think the next question I had I wondered, a common symptom of the 21st century that I come across is this deep-rooted kind of anxiety and this feeling of guilt around a lack of productivity. Um, I wondered if that's something you'd ever, you'd come across kind of in your journey of spiritual reconnection um, and how you dealt with it. Like I think it was one of the driving factors behind writing the book. So when I was working in this role, um, the hours were long and the work was, wasn't necessarily strenuous, but it, it, it's quite a mental drain. So when I got home, I wasn't able to do the creative pursuits that I wanted to do or to, to practice witchcraft at all because I was, I was exhausted. Yeah. Exhaustion is very much tied in with the anxiety because you're either one way, one way or the other. And I think that I was anxious for so long, thinking that I'm not actually doing the things I want to do with my life. Um, and it did take an absolute clean break for me saying, I'm quitting this job today. And I left home then um, to do this. That's not obviously not something that everybody can do. Mm. Um, but thankfully, I had a few savings in place that would tide me over for a couple of months and I had built that up because I knew that my mental health wasn't in a good way and I suspected that at some point down the line this is going to happen I am going yeah. to need to break away from this so I did have that cushion and I was very incredibly grateful for it mm-hmm. um, but I just think it's so common for everybody we're all stuck in the rat race we're all knowing that we have to stay in these jobs that we don't agree with and, and be in this capitalist world that we that we don't want to be in. Mm. Um, but, but there are ways that we can be reconnecting with the natural world and our spiritual practices outside of the world of work. Um, there are wonderful communities. Um, I mentioned Instagram before, mm. and that is somewhere that I have found just the most wonderful, open and giving people um, within the witchcraft community. And you know, we meet up circles we talk about witchcraft and it doesn't always have to be about work constantly yeah. um there are places 
nearby, you know, potentially quite nearby to us, where we can escape and really... Yeah, kind of get away from yeah Yeah, really open that part of ourselves um so again I think about finding your community um is is something that we can all really learn from here yeah yeah I completely agree I completely agree I mean on a sort of more personal level as well um I found that finding a group of friends even that um I have this this in common with um this kind of want of a spiritual connection you know this difficulty kind of fitting in with the modern capitalism rat race kind of lifestyle um finding a group of people you have that in common with even just going to the park after a shift and sitting in nature and talking about how tired you are (laughs) it can be so healing just in itself it can kind of get you out of the mindset of what am I doing to benefit the economy that day or whatever it's yeah it's really helpful um another thing oh you mentioned in the book you came across you had quite a few different deer sightings which were absolutely magical beautiful I was wondering um if that kind of symbolizes anything to you if um you think there's any kind of spiritual reasoning behind it so at the time, I was living in real inner city Manchester. Yeah. So there's not a lot of women in those in those places, and I was very lucky to live next to this park, which I talk about, you know, profusely in the book because it was a massive part of uh, my reconnection. Planning a trip there. <laughs> <laughs> it really was a lovely spot, and I think within that space, I had two deer sightings over, over the course of a month, and I also had. Um, a few more sort of dotted around the country and that's not something that I usually see it's not something that's no. every day at all particularly. and for me at the time I just thought wow what a wonderful experience I feel I feel blessed to be in their presence what yeah. magical creatures they are but I think sitting down afterwards I really have associated here with um, the magical world they're so ethereal they yeah. are they're almost not there, they're absolutely silent. And they are like spirits in themselves. Um, I think I, I did actually see a barn owl um, very close to the start of the book. And I yeah. think for me, it's, it's those two creatures that the British, British wildlife, um, I think just be, being there, being quiet and being in the background, when you see them, they just evoke this magical feeling in your chest yeah for me I really think that they were a sign that I was on the right path doing the right thing um and yes I think they are just incredibly magical creatures and we are so lucky to live amongst them I completely agree I completely agree I um went on a woodland walk recently and um we went off the path a bit got a little bit lost but um, a deer just suddenly darted across our path straight in front of us and kind of ran off to the side. And it just, it leaves you in a state of complete awe because you, you really don't see them, maybe from a distance somewhere if you go into a National Trust thing or something, but never like that. And yeah, it's incredible. And they really kind of evoke this feeling of calm and sort of mindfulness. And it's like, I don't know... Oh, it's like the it's like the earth telling you that there is that life is life does go on. There are these creatures that kind of live in total calm and harmony and everything's just okay. 
and it might sound a bit wishy-washy but that is kind of how it feels <laughs> it's That's wonderful I agree mm, yeah yeah um so we oh, I've only got a couple of questions left for you then you're free <laughs> In one of the chapters, you talk about um, the allotment that you had with your partner, Will, um, which sounded so lovely, by the way. That was another kind of cosy mug of hot chocolate reading time. That was oh, so beautiful. Um, but one day at the allotment, you're talking about wanting to um, set up a witch jar. Now, for any of our listeners that don't already know, um, most probably will, but a witch jar is used as a kind of protection and it's where you fill a jar with all kinds of nasty things like nails and bits of hair and uh, usually a bit of wee uh, <laughs> to, um, to sort of lure in any nasty spirits and trap them in there. Um, so my question is, did you ever bury a cheeky wee jar in your allotment? <laughs> now that's a question. Um, so unfortunately, I didn't do it for the allotment. However, Ooh. I have just done one um, for the house. So, so we fairly recently moved um, to the countryside, well, to the suburban countryside. And I, I had a feeling that I've cleansed the house, I've done everything I can, but still I felt like, you know, we can always have some more protection. Mm. Um, so that at the moment, there is a jar of wee somewhere in my house. And <laughs> I won't tell anybody where it is, but... <laughs> Yes, so I um, I filled it with nails and things like old staples, nasty mm. things that are, are a bit useless and people wouldn't, wouldn't like to step on, basically. Yeah. Um, and yes, I filled it with red ribbon um, and yes, and that is a very traditional um, way of protecting a house, um, mm. protecting an area or a person. Um, and so yes, what in theory what happens is all of the negativity that's directed towards you or the place um is attracted to, to the very negative objects inside the jar yeah and then is held inside it and to take to sort of deflect the energies from you i've got to say you know i've had a great few weeks so i think that mm. maybe the protection jar is actually working <laughs> yeah definitely i mean time tested you know it's yeah. <laughs> it's a tradition for a reason okay so I'm on to my final question for you um so in the very kind of last couple of chapters of the book you talk a lot about kind of how to move forward any possible path you could take towards your own future so sort of possible paths that in, are interesting you um so where do you see yourself going from here it's a really interesting question because Loads of things have opened up for me as a result of the book. I've had some wonderful people getting in touch um, mm. online, you know, just, just sort of really telling me wonderful things like how much the book has resonated with them. And it's, it's really inspired me to write more. And I want to go down the route of uh, witchcraft writing. Mm. And I already do writing for Witchology magazine, and that's something that I want to continue. Um, but also in my own, well, the practices other than writing um i am there i've just trained as a reiki master so i will be opening that up to the public um, very soon possibly in the new year and for me that is having a one-to-one connection with a person and you know, really helping them to heal using universal energy 
Mm. So to me, that feels like a really important thing to be doing right now. Um, and I think because of the pandemic, of course, people oh, yeah. are needing that healing on a spiritual level, um, as well as the physical and mental and everything that has gone um, with, with the lockdowns. So that's something that I'm really passionate about and I really want to, um, to go forward with. Yes, having those sort of spiritual and holistic practices under my belt, it makes me feel that I want to connect with other spiritual people and we can join our forces together and create some of the healing places and faces um, in the world. That's something mm-hmm. that I really, really want to do. And I'm in a place right now where I, I'm ready, I'm ready for that to happen. Um, other than that, um, writing has always been my absolute dream. And to be doing this on a regular basis and talking to people about it, yeah. it's just so wonderful. And I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful that people are responding so positively to the book. Mm. I'm so excited and I'm so happy to hear that, um, especially kind of towards the end of the book, you talk about... Um, your interest in kind of Reiki and um, your connection with shamanism and how you want to kind of explore it further. And I love that all of these avenues are opening up. And of course, I'm very excited um, about the possibility of another book. I will be first in line. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, it's definitely on a card. Fantastic. Um, so that's everything I wrote down for you. Um, I adored this book. I've recommended it to friends, family, customers. I think everyone should buy it, especially if they've struggled at all, sort of in general, but especially post-lockdown, you know, the anxiety of going back to jobs most people don't resonate with and, yeah, connecting with yourself. I would say everyone should get a copy. And it's beautiful. Like, the artwork on the cover is absolutely stunning. I love that. I just love the cover. We went through so many iterations and I'm just so, so happy with what they decided on. It's just absolutely beautiful. Mm, It is gorgeous. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Um, Yeah, it's been it's been a really good talk. It's been lovely speaking with you. (laughs) All right. Right. And thank you to our listeners. Um, You can pick up the book at any good book retailers or online and Make sure to follow Jennifer at The Green Witch Writer on Instagram um, and TikTok. Um, have I got your tag right for TikTok? It was at Green Witch Writer, wasn't it? The, the Green Witch Writer. The Green Witch Writer. That was it. That was it. Yeah. For more loveliness. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Thanks to Jennifer for discussing her story and to Carly for chatting with her. You can find Carly's review of The Wheel on the Folklore Podcast website book reviews pages, and the book is available from all good online and physical book retailers. The Folklore Podcast and The Book Club are independent podcasts, aiming to collect and preserve folklore materials for the future, alongside other projects such as the Folklore Library and Archive and the Folklore Network. Find out more about all of our work on our website at www.thefolklorepodcast.com. Please tell your friends about our content and share our posts and episodes in whatever online spaces you use. You can follow us on Twitter at FolklorePod and we're also on Instagram and Facebook. We try to avoid adverts in our shows to keep to the topics in hand, but this comes at a cost. 
If you want to help us continue, please visit www.thefolklorepodcast.com support where you can find links to our Patreon page and other information. Thanks for listening. See you next time.